Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, episode 97. Woo! Good hello today, Chris. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. I'm Chris, and joining me today are... Ames. Caitlin. And Jake. And today we will be looking at The Loss and Data's Day. In The Loss, the Enterprise hits some kind of space anomaly, like you do, and Deanna Troy loses her empathic abilities. Like you do. Nothing of value She's really shirty to everyone about it. Shirty? Shirty. Is shirty a word? Yes. She wasn't wearing a shirt. She was wearing her... Her Her jumpsuit? Yeah. What does shirty mean? I've never heard the word shirty before. Um, it means like like short... It's like shardy, but less (laughs) Yeah, It's like, yeah, short, rude, um... Bitchy. I I picked it up from uh, the memorandum. The play? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, someone refers to uh, Mr. Gross as shirty at one point. Oh, funny. Yeah. And that's from the Czech. Yes. yes. Well, it may have been translated Trans- by an Englishman. Yeah. An Englishman who, who thought, like, how would how would the word shirty be said in English? Oh, obviously shirty. There you go. <laughs> that translation was by a woman. I got nothing. So... Anyway, the anomaly is also dragging the Enterprise randomly through space, which for most of the episode is like kind of a nuisance, and they're trying to figure out how to break out of it. But then because tension is required, it turns out they're getting sucked towards a not black hole, but basically a black hole. A purple stripe. Yes, it was a purple vagina. cosmic string. Kind of a little, I mean, it was diseased. But, um... You haven't seen all these vaginas I've seen. <laughs> Actually, I haven't seen... Mm, mm. Anywho, I short, could tell you things, but short version, shirty version. Yes, it breaks out by replicating the vibrations of one of those things and behind them, like a violin. Yes, and something bad happens. Yes, yeah. no. <laughs> something good this time. But yes, I was thinking that during the episode. So yeah, the Enterprise gets away. Diana gets her empathic abilities back, and then no she one tells can tell the difference. everybody. Yeah, and uh, it turns out the the creatures. That the anomaly was made out of were actually trying to get to that cosmic string thing because it was the doorway to their homes. It'd be fucking do. And there were actually three kids in a trench coat. Yes. In Data's day, uh, it's kind of a couple little things going on. It, it is a day in the life of Mr. Data. Framed... He spent too much of it clothed. Agreed. Framed... Does Data ever take his clothes off? Because he probably doesn't really have to shower, right? He probably just like, I mean, he doesn't sweat, right? Yeah, but his ass still stinks. Why so? He doesn't shit. He doesn't shit and he doesn't sweat. You show me a man that doesn't have a smelly ass, and I show you a liar. I mean, I don't... He's not... But he's not a man. Do you think they meant ass stink when they said anatomically correct? That's right. They're like, don't worry, we built in a special, (laughs) like, uh, mechanical gland right there to to replicate butt smell. Mm Mm-hmm. The conceit of the episode is that Data has been having correspondence with, um... Bruce Maddox. Yeah, Wait, Bruce but does, Maddox. He, does he also have ball smell? For the love of God. Amy, Maddox, looking at you. who I'm, we may remember as the guy who was questioning his sentience, or as we realize, sapience, back in season two or whatever. Grandpa? Coitespondence. No. Oh, no, not Grandpa? Not Grandpa. Is that a yeah, word? Did I just invent a portmanteau? That was the... The, oh, I forget the name of it. In, in the one where they had the Graves. whole little trial. Ira Graves. Yeah, Graves called him Grandpa. Oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. This was sorry. the guy from the trial. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Blue shirt. Yeah, dickhead. 
Yeah, and so there's several things going on, you know, he's uh, supposed to be involved in the O'Brien Ishikawa wedding, but Keiko wants to call it off. Cause she's a bee. There's some kind of to-do going on with a Vulcan ambassador on board. Um, Cause she's a bee. Th- those are sort of the major plots. There's also a little bit where he tries insult jokes and it falls flat, but that's not really a whole plot. Oh, it's and dancing. It's because he didn't have a cigar. True. And wedding gifts. Yeah, wedding gifts with Worf, dancing with Crusher. Uh, a haircut. At the end, the wedding's back on. It turns out the Vulcan ambassador had actually been a Romulan spy the whole time, and they tricked the Federation into driving her home. Who's gonna drive you home? First appearance of Spot and ship's barber what does he have a name mott yeah no that is not mott that's not mott that's not mott and also that was not actually spot do all bolians look the same to you apparently they do racist i I just assumed they were all mott no this is a different actor and he had he has a name it's on the card somewhere okay so what is it is it like bolians are just the best barbers in the galaxy apparently so whenever he it's because they don't have any so they they Mm. really really want like they really cherish yeah Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, that's a bit not the best explanation, but it was sort of a couple little things at once, various vignettes, all from the point of view of Data. You get a lot of amusing internal monologue, him explaining how his process works. It's got something to do with assisting in Maddox's um, research and such. So, yeah, that's that's the gist. Let's start with the shitty one. I didn't think it was that shitty. I didn't think it was handled as well as, like, the bonding, which handled death in a really, really good way, but... Well, that's the thing. It wasn't trying to handle death, though. It was trying to handle... Mm, it was handling death, all right. Like, Troy went through all the phases of grief. Well, yes, The, but... the treatment of, um, Ensign, Ensign Brooks, was. uh, Janet Brooks, Janet. who lost a husband, was very, very much paralleling what Troy was going through with yeah. her loss of powers. It's just an episode about her death. Yeah, I mean, the focus, though, was mostly on... Troy's issues, not so much Lieutenant Ginger there. Yeah, uh, and, her Ensign, issue, and her issue was losing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her um, dick. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I do see the... We lost her dick. I see the parallel. Her penis fell off. Why was that woman still an ensign? Maybe it was a detachable penis. Oh, maybe she sucks. Penises? <clears throat> yes. You know what happened, actually? She fucked up once. She's the <laughs> one who's going to get jettisoned next. Mm. Though I was hoping they would jettison... Uh, Diana, because having to listen to her be such a oh. douche to everybody was so and obnoxious. Like, and, like, everybody had bigger fish to fry. And yeah. she's just wandering around, I'm so mokey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to yell at Beverly. Yeah, somebody tell me how useful I am. It's like, bitch, they weren't doing that to begin with. What are you, what's changed? Yeah, like, yeah I really, think... the little meltdown at Beverly was so fucking inappropriate. I would have fucking checked because I was passed out on the floor. She bitch, was she didn't anger know. anger phase of grief. You called up and said... You weren't feeling very hot. You said I was dizzy. Like, yeah, dizzy on. Dizzy is low priority. Granted, it's not everyone else had headaches, which yeah. is less priority as well. But Yeah, but she's always probably faking headaches. Oh, no. oh Riker wants to bang me because our relationship is really tenuous and weird. It's very on and off again. Some days we really want to kiss and some days we don't and we can't tell if we're into each other. But no, I mean, they, clearly they want to try to do, you know... As they hit you over the head with multiple times, loss of suddenly having a disability, whether it be losing a sense or the ability to walk or whatever. But I feel like it was really mishandled. Like I disagree. I don't. I don't don't know what the way to like do it any better is. Apparently, the um, uh, fans with disabilities particularly like this one and like gave Marita Sirius a lot of praise for for 
the portrayal and such. Well, I mean, I think the issue is, like, it's like you said, the problem is that because it was brought on by this crisis that was still ongoing, it felt like the story was always being pulled in two directions. If they had found a way for her to have lost her abilities that could have been, like, the only focal point, whereas instead it's like, oh, but also this other stuff is... Like you said, people had bigger fish to fry, so it was hard for, like... I think that's kind of the point. Their jobs have to go on, and if it had only been a Troy story, there wouldn't have been enough plot. But what I mean is they could have still been just doing their jobs, but it could have been their jobs in not a crisis scenario. Then there's no tent... Then there's no... Nothing at stake. Then it's a boring episode. Well, the stake is, how does she deal with the situation? It, with this, it just felt like... It, to me, at least, it felt like it was secondary to how do they save the ship. I don't know, I disagree. Because I feel like the how do we save the ship shit was, like, so not interesting as to be completely yeah, forgettable. Yeah, I was pretty bored by it. So okay. I, I honestly think that the Troy story was much better. Yeah, and also being like, they would have been able to figure out the how to save the ship for the two-dimensional creatures if Troy had been there to say, oh, they're going this way because of X. Oh, right. Those this were, I, is what we can do. But isn't mean, she could... also ultimately one that figures it out? Or does somebody else figure it out? She, she, she helps Data work through the idea. Yeah. yeah. Which they, again, they talk it from... out with their moth to a flame idea. Yeah. And, with the, and with the idea about it being sort of like her being differently abled, that's actually kind of nice because it's, it's showing like even someone who has had this loss of whatever, you know what I mean? I can't think of the word. Loss of sense? Loss, but like loss of ability of some mm-hmm. kind is still like a useful, can still be part, a useful part of a team and a community. Like, yeah, I think, like what we saw with Reva. Reva? Oh, yes, the, yes, yes, the, yes, The death mediator. Yeah, and I just think it's actually a really nice, um, that's a really nice message because it's, it's definitely one of those things, because she's right. Like, she talks about like, oh, and they treat you like. That was a good scene, actually. That was really good. Like, they treat you like there's something, like, wrong with you, and, like, they need to, like, be careful around you. They talk to you differently. It was rough watching her yell at Riker when he's trying to help, but it is a a true thing she's saying. Yeah. And I think the sort of humanizing of that situation is, especially, I I mean, especially back then, I feel like, because I like to think still that we're all super way more woke than we were in the 90s and stuff. In reality, folks who are differently abled are sort of still getting the short end of the stick because a lot of the time people don't think of members of the like disabled quote unquote community when they talk about minorities. Like usually minority is thought of as being either race or like sexuality, but a lot of the time disability kind of gets lost in that because there are members of people like members of each different kind of like minority group that you mention has disability like, disabled folk within it, but they never really touch on that point. So, anyway, I don't know. No one really thinks about them, except they don't want to, like, give them money, because people suck. I don't know, it's interesting. It's a pretty good story I was uh, reading or listening to it at one point about how people with disabilities actually, in a lot of ways, have had an, like, immeasurable impact on present-day society because of... The, the the classic example is the curb cut. So you That's know how mean. so you know how when you're on the sidewalk and approaching an intersection, oh, like, like that kind of, a curb. and there and the curb is cut leading into the intersection. There's a little ramp sure. that goes onto the street. Right. Those those weren't always there. Of course not. They're for the, wheelchairs. Exactly. So if there were, I guess it was, I think it was some city. I think in California, Berkeley, maybe that the 
there were a lot there was a one guy who was in a wheelchair and like lobbied the city to do this to like like he's like listen i'm a student at the college here and i cannot get to class i either ride in the street or i need somebody to like pick me up off of the curb Mm. so the city like eventually allocated a little amount of money to make a few of their intersections and now today you know only like 30 years later or whatever yeah you don't see every every intersection has a cut and the and the the thing is like people don't realize this but like obviously that was a a a thing that changed it happened because you know people with disabilities lobbied to get that you know make that happen but it's helpful to like deliver men with dollies women with like baby carriages and like another in like in like that whole it's called like not supposed to be on the goddamn sidewalk anyway i ride on the sidewalk like anybody like normal people i say normal but you know people without disabilities wow yeah i know i'm terrible <laughs> but you know what i mean over from people without disabilities do you also mean like. white straight men people <laughs> with with luxurious beards non-disabled people do not you know they don't even think about it yeah. but they're benefiting from this this thing and same like with with ramps going into businesses right that's yep. a, that's an ada thing yep. or you know doors that have Panic, bar, panic bars or automatic doors, exactly. Yeah. Automatic doors, panic bars on doors. These are all things that were mandated mostly by the ADA legislation as well as other things. And like chirps at cross signals, yeah. you know, tons of things. What's interesting, because I know these things that you sort of don't notice until they're missing. Yeah. Like the, the curb cuts, I always noticed. Mm-hmm. I think it took, you know, when I was a kid, they were just there and never really thought about it. Obviously, years later, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But, um, you know, the first time I went abroad a couple of years ago, I went to London, which, my God. Super inaccessible. It is like the least friendly, least wheelchair friendly city I think I've ever seen. Oh, I was going to say, it's not. But mm. yes, that you've ever seen personally, perhaps. Yeah, I'm sure there's worse, but I've, of the ones I've been to, like, you realize very quickly, not a single train, well, not a, not a single, but like, a lot of train stations don't have elevators. I didn't think to look for curb cuts. They probably weren't there. Mm. You know, it was really bad. I remember I was, since I had just gotten back into accessibility work, I yeah. was paying close attention that time too. And I was like, wow. This and is I was awful. actually really conscious, you know, because I was noticing this. I realized you see a lot of people in London who, On you know, crutches yeah, instead of. Instead of in wheelchairs. But, you know, honestly, the reality of that might just be that people in wheelchairs don't go out as much because it's not as accessible. So it might be True. like one of those, um, what do you call that? Uh, Confirmation bias. Yeah, that's it. But it also, I think what it might be too, though, is like at least some of them, though, are probably folks that their lives be easier if they were in a wheelchair, but they can. But also get by harder with, because, yeah. You know. What what I think is uh, interesting about accessibility and changing, um, as you were saying, changing life for you know everybody via universal design. So, like you know. When you see a commercial at four in the morning and you're like, ha, look at this fucking idiot. Why can't he pour pasta into a bowl? Mm. A lot of the stuff in those commercials that are like supposed to make your life easier and the people in them, you're just like, how could you be so fucking dumb that you can't like crack an egg? A lot of that stuff is actually stuff that's made for folks who have dexterity problems in their hands or... Mm. Whatever, and then they're just trying to market it to right because a wide otherwise audience. it's not worth like yeah. making mass, it right? mass producing yeah. for like you and me like oh who needs a po- jar yeah. opener fucking yeah morons. jar opener pouring well, a soda into something like this is yeah. something we don't think about well, yeah. so who needs the snuggie uh no fucking everyone <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, grandpa I think at sporting events the, the jar opener I think is 
that one's more for elderly folks who've lost strength in their hands. Actually, though, you know, the Snuggie... I feel like it's marketed that, that way. That probably is marketed for people in wheelchairs, because that way you tuck your feet into the end instead of having the end of the blanket flapping all over the place and getting stuck up in your wheels shit. and shit. That's, That's a good, a good point. So, mm-hmm. anyway, everybody's everybody's favorite gag gift of the Yankee Swap probably had a useful purpose to somebody. So remember that next time you're making fun of fucking idiots who can't... Whatever it is. Speaking of, speaking of uh, cur- like curb cuts, and like that's become like the general term for things like that, the curb, like the curb cut. I have effect. literally never heard that. Yeah, look into it. It's real. There was a see if I can. F- I think it was a podcast that I was listening to. I don't remember what it was, but I'll tell you if I can find it and we can share it. But yeah, so they call it the curb cut effect, or basically something that was specifically deployed in society to help a particular subset of people has had like broader effects. Another right. another good one, another quote unquote curb cut is closed captioning. Right. Mm. Obviously, something that's good for hearing impaired people, but you know anybody can turn yeah, on closed yeah. captioning. I don't always have my volume on on my computer, yeah. and or also you know, sometimes you're, you're in a loud bar. And sometimes the, the jokes the... are in the closed captioning when they're trying to describe like if someone's making a noise that's funny. Mm. And and the like I was watching was I watching today? I was watching mm. to be honest with Matt Belisai. He, he's a online personality who just bitches about whatever he's, he's bitching about that day over lots and lots and lots of wine. So he gets drunk and then he complains. Oh, good. And the first scene is him drinking. And the joke is, oh, God, there was a joke that was like, really, like, grunting, gay, groaning. Oh, uh, God. As, as he's trying to open a wine bottle. Nice. <laughs> And actually, that's also helpful. A lot of people use closed captioning if they're watching a show that's in English but has an accent that they find indecipherable. Oh, I did that with the with the British version of The Office, and it didn't help me. Mm. Well, a lot of people will do it. It's especially helpful for folks who are watching, like, Scottish media. Because a the a thick Scottish accent is usually very, very difficult for people to understand if they're not exposed to it on the Doing regular. Doing could figure it out. Oh, yeah. He was well well versed in <laughs> Scottish. But it's like... For me, it's like, um, has anybody else, anyone here actually read Train Spotting? I've not read it. No. no. Train Spotting is like written in Scottish dialect. Oh, no. So the first like few pages, I was really struggling, but then eventually you kind of settle into it. Hmm. But yeah, and that's the same how it is with like, it's, like, it's the kind of thing you have to read out loud to figure out what they're saying. Well, no, I thankfully didn't have to do that because I would have looked like an asshole on the beach. <laughs> but I, it did Wouldn't take some time one. to sink into it. No, and not, nor would it have been the first time. Anyway, we've avoided this episode for like 15 minutes. No, this is a good conversation. Just one, more, just one last thing. Sorry, I posted up the, the, uh, the thing about the curb cuts, if you want to check it out. It was an episode of the podcast 99% Invisible, mm, uh, a which is a good a good uh, podcast about like design stuff, but they have an episode all that talks about curb cuts. And you know, things. I'll check it out. I like cool. that. Well, let's segue it back in. What would have helped Troy being jettisoned? Yeah. Talking to, so talking to Gaiman seemed to help. But that, that's the answer for everybody, because Guyton should have just taken her job. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah, that's an interesting thing, because I, although we've been talking a lot about disabilities, I don't know that that's really what this episode addresses. I think it's more addressing the loss aspect of yeah. it, the, the, the personal yeah. loss, because the, as everyone is pretty much saying throughout this episode, it's like you're not less of a person you know you're you're still capable of of doing your job you know you you don't you just i would argue that both are correct that it is about loss but in that way you could say that it's about someone who becomes paralyzed playing football or i think the difficulty they have with this one is that she's losing a sense the audience doesn't have yeah so it's kind of hard to 
Well, yeah, like Empathize. Bev, like Bev being like, we all fucking get along fine, and it's like, yeah. yeah. I read a parallel that it would be like if you were a seeing person amidst a crowd of blind people and you lost your sight, they'd be like, and mm. yeah, like, yeah. I, That's and, and, and I mean, I did appreciate, you know, when when Picard's like, you know, I had this instructor who could never walk, and she's like, oh. Fucking stuff the inspirational speech already. Yeah. Which I think the thing is, like, for me, think think about this while we were talking, is, like, I think another part of the problem is, like, because this is all supposed to have taken place over a relatively short amount of time, it made her, well, like you said, she was going sort of through stages of, of grief and coping, but it was, like, all happening so fast. Which is ironic because she's like, you couldn't cry for one night and magically be fine. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Speeding through the stages of grief over here. Yeah, like, I mean, I know right? obviously the episode's going to be the same length no matter what. But you could have still, the story written in a different way could have given the impression that there was taking place over a longer period. Well, then you'd be stuck in the in the slipstream towards the cosmic string for this well, that, time. Well, space is big. We don't know how fast they're going. True. Actually, and again, I, I, I think still they just, actually mentioned, like, we're still getting dragged. At burp, burp, burp. They, yeah, like, half or three-quarter impulse. Oh, Not yeah, very fast. they had plenty of time. But I told you, she... Troy was unconscious for three days. This actually episode did go over a longer period of time. It was just... <laughs> That's, a real That's how long was... it took Bev to kindly get to her. Which does make her anger more justified. See, I think this episode... So, a couple things. I think the whole concept of overcoming a... Loss. A loss like that, in, in, uh, in just in terms of being able to cope and being able to carry on with whatever you're doing because like it you know the whole she was ready to quit mm-hmm. right and i feel like they were trying to do this thing with the lady that she was helping over the death of her husband janet janet damn it janet i know i thought that too <laughs> um but anyway what i was gonna say is you know they were sort of going for a thing i think with that that's like oh well despite the fact that she's impaired now with not being able to use her empathicness she wouldn't be able to talk to her mom anymore and that'd be that'd great, be great. For her not her so mom despite her mom still might be able to dis- beam it into her head only despite not being able to use what's you know the only thing in her toolkit evidently she was still she was still able to help uh, she was still able to help Janet through her situation but that's not really what happened it was only briefly kind of touched upon when Janet's like oh no you were right I wasn't over yeah Janet is mostly self-psychologying so she's fine and then then, like the whole thing you know again it's episodic TV so the whole thing is wrapped up at the end and Troy's back to normal I would have really I think liked to, you know, again, if this weren't episodic TV, I think it would have been really interesting to to extend this as a as like a, an ongoing storyline. So she for could have Troy. been really bitchy for weeks to come. Well, no, no, I the, mean the like, writings the writing staff evidently toyed with the idea of like never giving her her powers back. I think that would have been potentially really interesting. Maybe. You know, watching her. We wouldn't have the she's an empath joke to make every week like we do. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure know. the listeners would really hate no, to lose that. No, could... instead the joke would become still can't tell the difference. Oh. I actually liked that uh, Riker served her some tea, being like, you fucking high and mighty and too good to be human. But see, I was going to say, though, that actually kind of bothers me. It's like, she's clearly going through a really bad time. Now is not the time to be shitty about the fact that you've been secretly resenting her 
empathic nature all these years. Yeah, but you can't blame him either, though, because she's being a real bitch. He's trying to help. She's being bitchy, and he's just getting pissed. I mean, he's, you're right. He still was in the wrong. But, yeah, very much so. But the point is, like... I assume he was using reverse psychology on her. No, nah, I don't mm. think Riker's... No, I think he meant it. Yeah, I think he's just mm. kind of a... But, there, Riker can really be a bit of a... Dick? As in, uh, Trombonist. Uh, yes. He, he, he occasionally has, um... A beard. <laughs> He occasionally has issues realizing when it's the time to, like, It's almost like he's a, a real human being with flaws and fallibility. Yes, but that's... Riker's, that's, Riker's coming into his that's Speaking a very of actual of um, reverse psychologists, Guinan makes an appearance. Yes. Guinan fucking kicked ass. reverse psychology to all over that I loved, shit. I love when Troy comes in and she's trying to tell Guinan how hard it is being a therapist. <laughs> being apparently the only fucking therapist on the show. Yeah, which no, there's there there all are these other therapists. Well, she, no, she's the, she is the counselor, but there are other therapists. How is that No, there aren't, other, there aren't other therapists. There's though. other psychologists. There's other people that they said had psychology degrees, but... They said was there was no ship's counselor when she stepped down. But but, that, but I think counselor is psychologist plus all the erotic stuff. <laughs> that sounds makes right. sense. Works for me. Anyway, let's go back but, to Guinan. Well, well, what I was going to say was, is sorry, but in TOS, Bones was both. That's So true. maybe all well, the dogs. Well, that was, was a smaller again, crew. We, we, say, we also, had, at the time, we did say that it was the 60s where, and, quote unquote, psychology was... Yeah. Get over it! Here's some booze. And Bones hated it. What's I, wrong with that? <laughs> I, but I, th- I think it's worth asking, what is is there a distinction between the ship? Because I always feel, because the ship's counselor feels like it's a particular job that involves being on the bridge and participating in diplomatic things and like mm-hmm. interacting with, you know, you have, you have duties on the ship and then... You know, she also takes clients. Yeah, she's also got a, a private practice. She has a, yeah, she has a private. Well, I yeah. have a question though. So maybe there are other psychologists on board who take clients that aren't necessarily doing any of the other. Or who aren't duties. Starfleet? Like maybe there's yeah. just like someone's wife or husband is a psychiatrist or whatever. I mean, I think part of the problem comes from the fact that clearly, you know, I don't think the writers know. Yeah. Mm. Can I ask? Or a have question? a sense of scope? Mm. I actually have a question. What right, do but after this we're getting back to Guinan. Okay. What do ships that don't have betazoids do for a counselor? Because it they seems like they, they, they bang in the holodeck. No, because oh, okay. Picard even says, you know, like, you know, having empathic powers isn't actually a requirement for the job. He even says most ships just have human counselors. What good are they, Or though? Vulcan. Probably not. <laughs> That's a bad idea. That would be amazing. The so Vulcan's, like, looking at a sheet and they're like... <sighs> <laughs> no, tell no. me how that makes you feel that, too, too emotional too emotional like, because it's you know it's like there's, there's no yeah I don't think it should be a requirement to be an empath I don't think it should be necessarily everyone that's a psychologist is a counselor and vice versa I think that there has to be a distinction there and that some of them are bartenders maybe you know because there's definitely added responsibilities it's you know the fact that she has a seat on the bridge next yeah. to the captain most of the time is... Yeah. Lots of hand jobs. A lot of hand jobs. Yeah. That's why I say I think there is probably some sort of implicit you know, eroticism to the, to the job. As we is, that why her, is that why her dress is so low cut all the time? Because Gene right, Roddenberry was horny. You know, she gave Barkley an erotic massage. And, she does? Didn't she? No, you... The hollow turned, suits, you missed that one. No, she... Tur- oh, yeah. Did you you gotta watch those to be caught up. You didn't watch those either? You dumb dumb. 
episodes. Both of those episodes are really wow. good. One of them's a data episode. Dumb, dumb. That's not very so, nice. You know, yeah, what me... is it? The most toys or something? Yeah. That just reminded me, though, Ames, just all this is, is, have we ever brought up the fact that this, in a weird way, ties back to the cage? What? All the people going to Guinan for help. Whether they mean oh, because we had Doctor Bartender, who was like some he brings liquor because like some men will tell their bartenders things they won't tell their doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Guinan bringing it back to Guinan as I was going to go there about ten minutes ago. Thank you, Chris. Whilst Troy is bitching and bitching and bitching at her and saying like, "Oh no, you have to." The people come to your to the bar to complain about stuff that they want to complain about. A therapist has to get them to talk about the things that they don't want to talk about. And then Guinan very, very smoothly and surreptitiously gets Troy to talk about all the stuff he doesn't want to talk about. And Troy doesn't even realize that yeah. she's being, like, hypocritical. Well, I think it's, it's she's... Guinan is, is subtly illustrating the point that Riker was making in yeah. being a jerk. Yeah. Riker's like, you think you're so fucking special. You think that your abilities make you so much more perceptive and so much more intuitive and, and you know, and you're, and you, you, you're, you're aristocratic and you lord it over us. And then Guinan's like, let me show you what a bitch you are. But also be very helpful and nice no, at let the same me, time. Let me, let me have you come to the, the conclusion that you're a bitch without me even having to, like, say it myself. Yeah. I think, too, what was really well done with that scene is both in the writing and in, in Sirius's. See, when they give her stuff to do, she's quite good. Uh, Marina Sirtis, because well, I thought you meant Whoopi. You can well, Whoopi's yeah, she's always, always good. good, but like you can see her trying to avoid saying, "But I have a degree," because she knows it would be a shitty thing to say. Yeah, yeah but like, Gaina's like, like a I'm five hundred years old. Years old. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you know, I'm, she's also super mysterious. She probably has thirty degrees, but no one knows because she plays things right close to the vest. She doesn't wear a vest. She, wears she a might under that way. Close to the thing. to the tilty hat. Yes. Love that hat. I love Guinan. Any episode that Guinan's in, I'm like all about it. This just reinforces my already pretty serious love for Whoopi Goldberg and and weird headwear a la (laughs) Sister Act. Mm -hmm. Sister Act 2. Do you want to talk a little bit about our two-dimensional life form friends? Because I didn't quite understand their plot. And Jake, wasn't there a show we watched that had a a visit to a two-dimensional life plane? Paper I wanted Mario? to say it was the Orville, but I just read through all the descriptions from the Orville, and it wasn't <clears> that. <throat> Do you ever know what I'm talking about? Like a sci-fi show? Like a sci-fi show, where they went to a 2D plane and had to, like, and realize, oh, our, our rules are a little bit different here. We have to do such and such, and then we can go, go. I feel like I had, didn't that happen like, Futurama at one point? Yeah, but that was a different Yeah, plan. I think. This it... was a definitely a live action. Oh. I don't remember. Yeah, I definitely remember the Futurama episode, but... I'm thinking of Super Mario Wii U when it becomes Paper Mario sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole Flatland analogy is interesting, and I think that it's kind of a shame that that plot got explored as sort of a B plot to a to a different episode and never really because it and it, not even an interesting B plot too. Like I just it was like just a was, confusing B plot. Yeah, because the whole the whole thing that's really fascinating about you know because the whole I mean Flatland is is a book written i think in like the 1800s like is it that old it's very it's It's very old old book it's pretty good you know and it's it's basically and you know one of the first big allegories in science fiction or speculative fiction and the whole idea is always you know what you're it's it's about limited point of view and and, you know you if you're if you're a flat person that lives in two dimensions your perception of the world is going to be very very limited 
and if something should upset that perception or like you know the uh, the whole idea is like you know if you're in a what's well, like the allegory for the cave of the cave almost yeah a little bit too yeah and it, it, like or so, like being a Trump voter exactly <laughs> but like if you're a flatlander if you're somebody that lives in a two dimensional space everything you see. You know, it's hard for us to picture, but everything you see fills up your entire point of view. And, yeah. you know, you only have two dimensions of vision. And then if a three-dimensional thing intersects your world... Yeah, you only see like that you slice imagine, of it. You, yeah, if you imagine, like, a sphere passing through a two-dimensional world, it starts out as just a little point, and then it gets bigger yeah, and it look, bigger. Yeah, it looks like it's a line that's growing and then shrinking again. And then shrinking yeah. again. And that would be oh. a very weird thing indeed. To somebody in a two-dimensional perspective, so I don't know. I think and like that's often used as an allegory for you know we don't know everything, right? Yeah, and that's something that you know could be a very interesting diversion or side plot or a main plot about you know what if you what if the crew of the Enterprise had to actually interact with or negotiate with or talk to yeah. two-dimensional beings and try to make them understand, hey, you're flying into a death ball. And we think. We think. And, uh, and they're like, no, we're just flying towards the, the light. And it's apparently a doorway to their two-dimensional universe or whatever. Yeah. Is this also meant to mirror the experience of Troy? Like, she's gone from being fourth-dimensional to third-dimensional, and now... She made a comment like that, where she looks at... I think she's looking at Riker or something, and she says, I only see a 2D, 2D person now. Mm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I don't you're... sense you the way I did anymore. Yeah, you're like, like a projection on the holodeck. Although she said hollow deck, she like really hit the O for some Listen, reason. Listen, she has an accent. She's from Beta Z. Yeah, but she's <laughs> never said hollow deck like that before. Helipad. Her mother has a computer accent. <laughs> Aluminium. Mm, herbs. Uh, yeah. Chips. I'd also say that like I thought that the resolution was so stupid. Sudden and tidy. Just yeah, just like. Oh, I was temporarily blinded by the onslaught of emotion from all these creatures. By the light! Yeah, well, I mean, that was essentially what she said. Yeah, you'd think you'd be able to heal that, though. Th- th- this is an episode... She should have continued to have that dizziness, then. Yeah, you think? Yeah, if you look into the sun and it's too fucking bright, you aren't like, everything is normal. I'm never gonna see you again. Th- this is an episode-long version of uh, that time Spock had secondary eyelids. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, right? Your trick wasn't that an episode length. No, that was like the last ten minutes of an episode. It was needless. Oh no, I blinded Spock. No, I'm okay, Doctor. No, no. Oh, okay. Next time, ask me first, bitch. Uh, I blinded Spock. It's like Spock. Why didn't you tell me about your extra eyelids? I forgot, which is code for I wanted to fuck with you. Maybe he really did forget. Maybe it was like a involuntary. He doesn't think about his extra eyelids, just like he doesn't think about all of his half and adopted siblings. No, but for real, like, how often do you consciously think about breathing? Like, obviously. Oh, now you've made me start thinking about breathing. Yeah, me too. Now Drake isn't breathing. <sighs> now I man, now I am manually breathing, and so are all of you. Mm-hmm. Not me. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so are all of our listeners. Yep. Anywho, we're all in this together. One thing I do want one thing I do want to say also about Troy in general, and you know, we we give Troy a lot of shit. I think we, we Most all Most of it deserves I give a lot of shit to the writers of Troy. Well yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. I would also like to just like point out that the Troy centric episodes are often really horrifying and like potentially scarring. That's true. So like the last big Troy 
centric episode I can think of is she's knocked up by a space a beam of light and has to deal with that and then has to deal with the baby dying yeah and that's horrifying and then there's this one where she has to deal with the sudden loss of a sense yeah. and frankly every episode where Loxana shows up is horrifying because yeah. nobody should have to see their fucking well, mother yeah. but I mean way. there's also like oh yeah here's here's your arranged marriage have fun you know mm-hmm. so like like really the writers they don't like they don't write her very well no but they also you really tend to this shit Neil Labute? tend to put her in situations where she's getting and not having the greatest of days <laughs> and yet she still stands strong yeah I do think, I agree that I think Marina did a good job this episode with the yeah. acting thing. And it's it's interesting because, like, you're right, you know, she's not often given a lot to do in episodes. But when she is, yeah, she can she does all right. Yeah, and most of the time she's just supposed to go, I, mm, I, I can't I, sense I, anything. I can't, mm, yeah, mm, oh. I, I sense uh, a holding back. Or I occasionally. I can't more into detail. Oh, boy, chocolate. Because the fucking men that wrote this don't know that women have depth. Um, no. I don't know. Men also like chocolate. Well, yes, but like you said, it becomes a defining character trait of her. Speaking of women having depth, let's talk. Let's move on and talk about Keiko. Wait, no, not yet. Not yet. You're not done. No, I have one last thing to okay, say. Okay, let's do that, and then we'll bitch on bitch, bitch about Keiko. The one thing you guys have forgotten about what makes this episode great. Wesley's not there. Yay! Yay! Wesley. Which actually funny because I feel like a lot of the time, if there's a Wesley heavy episode, there's not really much Troy and vice versa. Mm. Does that mean every episode is going to be about Troy from now on because Wesley's No, gone? no. Uh, actually, in the next episode, we see a lot more of O'Brien because O'Brien starts to fill that hole. He's filling some holes tonight. <laughs> Wedding night, baby. Hey! Or is it? Ooh. Or is it to get on again? Or is it to off uh, again? Yeah, let's, um, <laughs> let's cake about bitch-o. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a good joke. Go on, get, I want to hear. I want to hear your joke. It's not really a good joke. I want to hear your bad joke. Temporary. This, this is not a good joke. All right. So, so two kingdoms are playing this great marriage between the prince of like Eastlandia and the princess of Westlandia because I don't have time to think up names. And there's a great celebration. It's a wedding. People gather from all the countries and they're so happy. They're gonna have a peaceful, prosperous time. Everything's great. And so uh, after the wedding, uh, you know, of course, the the newly married couple. You know, they retired their bedchambers because you know what's mm-hmm. going to happen tonight. And uh, the king, make their bed. exactly. And the king of uh, Westlandia will say he gets a page or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, page, go hang out by their bedroom and let me know, you know, what happens." Because of course, he's a king. He wants to make sure there's an heir and stuff. He wants to, you know. Da-da. You know, gross. are my he's, kids like genitalia working okay? He's an over, he's an overbearing Fruit Loop about his his daughter. Doesn't sound like anyone I know. So the page goes and he listens for a while, and then once satisfied, uh, he goes back to the king, and the king is like, "All right, what did you you know what did you hear?" And you know, so the page is like, "Well, first the princess said, I offer you my honor." And the, rep- the prince replies, I honor your offer. And that's how it was all night. Honor, offer, honor, offer, honor, offer. <laughs> Fuck you, though. I told you it was a bad joke. I'm sorry, Caitlin. It's a sex joke, guys. It's about sex. sex. S-E-X. You forgot to hold a cigar and move your arms back and forth. Fuck! I always forget uh, that great, part. Great joke, you lunkhead. <laughs> oh. What? I he called you a joke. lunkhead, and he meant it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So before we get to... Lunkheads? Oh, Lunkheads. I, I don't know. I thought... I like, Do you have a better I joke? a lot of the Data stuff in this episode. That's because Data is adorable. But like... And this is his passive-aggressive letter to Maddox, being like, you wanted to learn more? Here's all of it. And like, I kind of wish... Every episode that had data had him also narrating what was what he was thinking about because mm. like there was just like some little subtle acting things that he did throughout this episode that was just that tied in with the narration yeah and it was just like oh that's so good there was one you know there's like one in the turbo lift when he's talking about how Vulcans give him the heebie-jeebies basically and yeah. he like looks at her like right at the moment when he said something. Yeah. Then when like Card's like, oh, take us to the neutral zone and it's really subtle but he starts he starts tapping his finger on the on the Because he feels so many feels well, but he, doesn't know how to say well, it. Well, when he's in the narration, he's like, man, if I were human, I'd feel nervous and he's like nervously Yeah. It reminds me, there's a poem that it reminds me of. But so there the princess of Princelandia no, 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 and the prince of Princeton. Yo, <laughs> prince of Princeton. Yeah, it's good. I like that. His palms were sweaty. Oh dear, knees Bobby. weak. Arms were heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom, spaghetti. Are you allowed to do this, or are we going to get? He's sick? nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words don't come out. He's choking. How? Everybody's joking now. The clocks run out. Time's up. Over. Don't encourage him, Chris. (laughs) Oh, you went over the punchline. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Chris wasn't. The whole punchline was blow. How do you do it. a spoken word version of a rap song? Shatner he would found it out. a way. Shatner would do it. What, yeah, we so, probably probably wait, can't include that? that. Why not? His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. But on uh, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready. Drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd grows so loud. He's opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's joking now. Everybody's joking now. Uh, the clocks run out. Time's up. Over. Blow. Snap back to reality. Oop! There goes gravity. Oop! There goes gravity. Oop! Uh, no. I don't know what the fuck that. You is. don't know? It's Lose Yourself by Eminem from the hit movie of Eight Mile. Who the fuck has even seen that movie? That's a super popular movie. It was wildly successful. I know. I'm just kidding. It's also and a I, very well thing known is, song. I like Eminem, but I don't know that song. You know, that's like one of his top he, hits. Didn't he kind of sue Even I know. something over this? Did he? I think they were. They did a parody of this song or something. I don't know. Shit, we're fucked. Yeah, but the good news the, is, uh, if the, Eminem the notices us, um, it's true. What the fuck were we talking Data's about? Data's No, day. I know, but what aspect and Data's of it? Nice. Data having subtle, nice uh, right, right, reactions right. to his yeah. own narration. But yeah, no, that, so to bring it back, yes, I thought that that little nervous, and like the way he looked at his finger. Yeah, like, was yeah, like, that was good. Oh, I'm doing that. Can he, no, no, was he doing it like on purpose be, so, to show that maybe I'm like fitting in with humans? No. Or is it just something he does? No, I think he, he was, I think he was nervous and realized that he was nervous and then had to cover it up in his letter to Maddox. Yeah, because he, when he sort of sees that he's doing it, he looks taken aback by his own actions. He's a real boy! Mm. So, here's what annoys me about this one. No, Yar. Not enough naked data. We already said that. They continue mm. to reinforce the lie that Vulcans can't lie. 
I mean, this is what data data assumes. Data assumes that Vulcans can't lie because data's been told. Right. And data does not have the reasoning capability to think that what he's been told is wrong. Right. Well, but the, the other thing, though, is the episode still sort of unintentionally reinforces this because at the end, she never was a Vulcan. She was a Romulan. Oh, I So, of no. course, she can lie. No, no, no. You're a Vulcan. And here's where I get confused. I can't, like, so our, our Vulcan ambassador, Tapel, who Picard says at the end, like, you have our, you know, very admired diplomat on yep. your ship. What has her life been? Has she a been a, a, a spy this whole time? Is she like yep. a Russian sleeper yeah. agent? Shit. I mean, there are, I mean, there are examples from, you know, real history of, of, Long, long term. This is a long deep con. cover. Yeah, I mean, but the, the Cambridge Five. And all she all... does is just go home. Yeah, her mission's done. But what wow. is her well, mission? Man. Do we ever find out? Well, imagine how, like, if she, she was had a high-ranking so ambassador. Yeah. Imagine how much information she would have. Did she have like one of those little uh, tiny cameras in which she took pictures I mean, of she all the blueprints to everything? She wouldn't even need them. She just had access. And she also has stuff she stuck up her hoo-ha. Well, yeah. I'd, I I'd say that they yeah. should have destroyed that ship, but there were a whole bunch of other ships decloaking. Yeah. Because it's the neutral zone, and no one pays attention to the laws of the neutral zone anymore. True. Yeah, Picard got played. Yeah, he did. Well, the whole Federation got played. Yeah. I feel like Picard definitely looked like he took it extra personal. Yeah, no, he was Especially pissed. he's just like, engage. He just like swings his hand. <laughs> doesn't even do a, a full engage. It's like, fuck it, just get out of here. But yeah, no, like, like I said, the, the Cambridge Five were all recruited when they were in college, and most of them weren't unmasked until they were, like, in their late 40s, early 50s, and they all lived in Britain the whole time. Damn. Uh, the, the spy ring that Kim Philby was a part of. Oh. Um, I kind of figured, but... Russians in particular were very fond of these sorts of very long-term, like, living in the, the enemy country spy mm. gambits. Have you seen the American? I feel like you'd like the Americans. I see oh, the yeah. first three seasons and it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the um, and like you, you, you'd think that even you know with the fall of Soviet Union would be all over, but they've like successfully implanted United American presidents and like there's there's Russian s- everywhere sleeper agents all over the place. So well, did they even... get rid of the, so did they get rid of the the forehead thing on Tapel? Presumably, <laughs> they had to like shave it down. Oh. Oh yeah, it could have been surgical alteration or use a cheese grater. The the, the the unnecessary rage they got. See, normally I don't care when Star Trek does aesthetic changes, but that one. Okay. The whole point was they look just like Vulcans. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start right there because I have a new theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the Romulans, many of the Romulans that we see now, are actually descended from Romulan Klingon hybrids. Thing you say, Romulan Riemann hybrids? No, we made that joke before. That um, that Duras's father was so prolific. <laughs> I like it. That when he teamed up with the Romulans to take out Kittimer, those genes are still floating around. There we go. He, I, I'll he take Genghis it. Khan to that shit. Is it Genghis Khan who fucked yes. everybody? Mm. Yeah, he Genghis Khan to that shit. I say it as if I'm turned on by it. Mm. Um, he's a Duras. He's probably ugly. You mean you're not? <laughs> So, this episode, He's right? He's got two dicks. Oh, I thought you meant uh, Genghis, Genghis Khan. Khan. <laughs> I feel he like... also had two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he managed. Yikes. I, I feel like <laughs> I enjoyed this episode, but looked at sort of objjectively, it's probably technically not good. Oh, you're just not blind it's, enough yeah, by it's, Data's it's beauty. A, it's a 
different way of constructing an episode yeah. of Star Trek. I, I guess they'd been looking for a while at like doing a day in the life of and they mm. threw it like, what if we did it a day in the life of Picard? No, no, that's boring. Too much tea. <laughs> uh, what if we did a day in the life of the ship itself? How would one do that? No idea. And what, they, are they fucking invite Neil Gaiman? That sounds they, like it. <laughs> Uh, and they picked Data because, A, he's very, very interesting. And also because yeah. he's actually up for 24 hours a day. Yeah, Why he runs like... the inexplicably dimmed night shift. Yeah, that was I, I don't think I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a not good episode. I think it's actually a really good episode. But I think that it's an episode where they do something that that is... That deliberately is different than the, than the mold of any other episode. Mm. And I think that... In doing, I think that was like risky for them to do, mm-hmm. but I also, but I think it pays off in yeah. in what ultimately is a very good story. And it's not if it weren't data, it may have failed and fallen on its face. Yeah, but there's like there's a lot of a lot of humor in the episode. I mean, yeah. a lot of episodes have a little bit of humor, but this one has a lot of like little little jokes. Yeah, a but lot of a lot like, of nice touches. Yeah, and they're all in a lot character. of successful jokes. Like, yeah. there, you can have episodes where you have comedy that is out of character out of place but i feel like here it's doing the whole oh data oh data mm-hmm. um you know the scene with data and Worf trying to pick a wedding gift that yeah gold right which i, th- I actually thought that was silly why would they need to pick wedding gifts when you can repl- replicate fucking anything do they even need re- wedding gifts in the future I think uh, it's symbolic it's yeah. be- because in the future it's the thought that counts like, mm. like more so th- than nowadays really like, like if you um if you show up to a wedding with a gift card, that that's really you really haven't put any thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Applebee's! Thank you. Actually, no. I replicated this gift card. You no, can get whatever you want with it, but if, you could have done that anyway. If they're a collector of antiques, a gift card is amazing. Like, mm. Oh, this is no. You don't understand. This is a relic. Back when they had money, <laughs> you could buy someone money. To a specific business. Yeah, so like if it was Arthur Weasley whose wedding it was, you could blow his fucking mind with gift cards. Everyone in the future loves antiques. Really? Everyone? I also think that like based on the conversation that Data and Worf have about what they're gonna do and like they get to the to the uh, the champagne glasses. Yeah. And they're like the and Worf's like these things. Now, Worf would definitely know what a glass is. Yeah. But a champagne glass? Or, or yeah, yes, because we've seen champagne glasses, I'm sure. He definitely would know what a glass is. So I I actually think that it is. If they're not glasses, they are traditional trinkets yeah. that you give at a wedding. And in by the 24th century, they're not even looked at as what their practical use is. It's just like, oh, you give a little glass sculpture that is shaped like a glass <laughs> at a wedding. I, um, I did like when they were on the, the, the swan gravy boat and uh, Data's like, this does not seem like something you would give. I feel like Worf's face was one of, I have debts you do not recognize. Oh. No, he would give the dragon mouth gravy boat. You have never heard me read love poetry. Yeah, no, I, 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 bet, I bet. You know what? Actually, I bet Worf does like Worf swans. stuffing her with crumpets. <laughs> because swans. Aggressive pricks. Exactly. They're assholes. Like, the first time he was like a child, he tottered up to a swan, it attacked him, and he had a new best friend. <laughs> and they fought every day until he was 18. Yep. And then he ate him to gain his power. Now, this is the first time. They were introduced to someone who really becomes, I think, 
I wouldn't say a main character, but certainly a character with a lot of impact on the show. Bully and Barbers? Of course. So, what do we think about Data's cat Spot? I love that he has a cat, and I know that it will be a it will be a, a string of different cats in the future. I was gonna say I didn't recognize him as Spot because he was a what was he? A uh, Somali cat. Yes, he's very pretty. Yeah, so very I have handsome. I have a, I have a rather morbid theory about yes, why do. why Spot Aww, changes appearance us, and Jay? gender so frequently. I just think Data, being a giant strong android, doesn't understand his strength. And Lenny's these cats and just keeps replacing spots. Jake, how could you say that on National Cat Day? Is it really National International Cat Day? International Cat Day. Well, by the time our listeners are listening, it won't have it won't be. No, I know, but but our recording. I'm not saying I'm 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 actually really sad about it. Why are you smiling? Because I love kitties, but I can uh, No It's the only explanation it's the only explanation I can have for why there's like at least Four different spots throughout the series. Yeah, I mean, the Somali cat is the wildly different animal. Yeah. And you can just say, like, maybe that one is it Spot yet, because I don't think Spot gets a name until season seven or something. So that's, that's his first cat that he crushed. He doesn't have to crush them. Yeah, he, no might, he might give them, give them to that orphan boy or something. No, it's... He doesn't kill them cats. Feline supplement no, 73. Maybe it's not even a real cat. Maybe it's like a robot cat that he built, and he's like, pick your new look, weird, ugly robot cat. Like when he first made it, it was a Sphinx cat. And then he was like, go ahead, choose what you want to look like. Actually, you know, if, if he was deciding to sort of I like, like start you. simple in an attempt to build up to making another humanoid android again, it would make sense. He actually, he actually started with like an android, like fucking earthworm. And once he perfected that, he moved up to like, a simple vertebrae. Now he's moved up to cat. And that's why Spot, he keeps tinkering with Spot. I'd actually like to think that it's more like Renfield in Bram Stoker's Dracula starring Gary Oldman, where he was like, some flies, but if we have a spider, it just has all the lives of the flies. A cat! I must have a cat! That's what really happened. I'm terrified. Thank Um, you. As you should be. Who plays him? Who plays Renfield in that? Uh, Tom Waits. Yeah, he's creepy. But yes, no, Spot, finally here, although unnamed. Yeah, so you're right, it probably is. We could probably just say it's a different cat, and he eventually gets Spot. Maybe he was just cat-sitting. Maybe. Maybe that's how he decided he wanted a cat. It could be, that's how it happened. A cat does seem appropriate for Data, though. He's very cat-like. Because, like, a a dog, he would know what to do with a dog. Always lands on his feet. It's also interesting to me, though, that... Well, because dogs react so much to your emotions, Yeah. cats just don't care. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. It's a little (laughs) interesting to me that Data would have, like, what... From a practical standpoint, is Data's what is Data getting out of this relationship? I think he's 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 learning how to be like to to care for a living thing. But mm. they do give us something, Mister Spock. They <laughs> give us love. <laughs> but would... it's also just, I think it was probably one day he's like you know his his research is into being more human. It's like humans often have pets. Do do do. He probably went to, he probably went to George. He's like should I get a dog? And George thought that poor dog. No, get a cat. Mm. I also. Knowing the history of cats on Star Trek, it's probably an alien in disguise. Yeah. They usually... More than likely. Yeah. They, Which ooh. explains the shape-shifting abilities. It's yeah. Isis. Isis is back. Mm-hmm. She what? left Gary Seven for dead and is back because she wants to hang out with people. No, Maybe no. It's actually... Gary Seven did die. She ate his face. Maybe this is actually Mares and she can change seamlessly between cat and human. Yeah, I wonder what the thought... I wonder what the, the cat... People in Star Trek, like the, the yeah. what are they called? They're probably really... there's so many different cats. Okay, well, the, if you mean the, the Mares people, the Mares right? people, the, the people the that Cations. the the humanoid like C A T I A N C A I T I N, I think. 
the felinoids. Mm. Um, I wonder what they think about the fact that humans keep cats as pets. Probably if, if they like, if they're like, this is horrible. Well, it's like that Futurama on their planet. They own tiny people yeah, <laughs> as we're, pets. We're just monkeys. They wonder if monkeys. they think cats are sexy. Uh, anyway. You're the one that started I'm it. I'm just saying. I'm just taking I would, I was just thinking, I just think, you know. Yeah, no, it probably is one of the things they have to, uh, it's like, so look, before we get to Earth, uh, quick note. <laughs> it would be interesting if the Cations or whatever were actually originally, like, they came to Egypt and they're the reason why Egyptians worship cats. There we go. There we go. That makes sense. Like, uh, Stargate. Sure. That's not really Stargate, but. It involves Egyptians. Oh. So, so yeah, just like Stargate. So we yeah. get Spot, we get our first Bolian barber, though it's apparently not Mott. Yeah, his name is Vassal. Vidal Sassoon? What? It sounds like they kind of crammed Vidal Sassoon together to get that name. Maybe they, maybe sure. they did. Maybe. The, 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 the shampoo. Yeah, Vidal Sassoon is a thing. Sure. The next brand. one's name is Pantene. Especially in the early 90s, like, Vidal Sassoon ads were everywhere. Well, Mott, I always assumed, was like... Supposed to be just Tom, but reversed to be like Tom is like the name a barber might have. Yeah, Tom the barber. I can see that. Yeah. Very. Like it's a it's a common name. Yeah, yeah. Yikes! You want to live like common people? <laughs> yeah. Like, like kind of like mourn, right? Like I always thought of the Mott as being kind of like a mourn. Mm, yeah, mourn exactly, is yeah. supposed to be norm. Norm, like norm. from mm. Cheers. Oh, so as I said in. Uh, when we were watching, sad that there was no Beauregard in the uh, garden. I know. I was. I was assuming Keiko was leaving Miles specifically to be with Beauregard. Beauregard. He knows what to Keiko. do with those flowery My fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, like I know Keiko gets Ugh. a lot of shit from fans for being. I'm going to keep giving her shit for, until for she being, proves otherwise. Like, quite awful, a lot of the time. But at this, but. I gotta say, when the character is introduced, the very first thing she does is a horrible, horrible thing to do. And to she somebody. leaves it. Uh, yeah, it was a horrible <laughs> thing to do to Data specifically. But it was horrible thing to do to Miles. It was a horrible and, thing to do to yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody but, who had set up, who had converted Ten Ford into some weird Asian yeah, wedding chapel. Yeah, built Keiko's and, giant fluffy hat thing. Yeah, the dressmaker on the ship. Guys, guys, Data guys, you're all getting excited. They Jordy got his haircut for the first time in years. <laughs> no, he was like, you were just here last week. You didn't like it. Which, as I said, when they pan around to the back of his head, whoever had cut LeVar Burton's hair in real life fucked up. I didn't see it. There's a very small, like, it's not a patch, but like a very small bit where you can, like, see his skin in, like, the middle of the back of his head. Like What? Maybe yeah, like, like, no, no, it's always, it, like, it was like someone, like, just fucking... Would they do that to an actor? Not I mean, on unintentionally. Romp appeals spray on. Uh, I mean, it's either that or the poor bastard wound up with a zit and he popped it and the hair hadn't grown back yet. What? How much hair do you think you would lose to pop a zit on your head? Well, so Maybe he's it very was really thick bad. Hair. I don't know, I, well, either way, he had a very obvious, I, to I, me, I, spot I saw, on the back of his head. You I, saw it I, too? I saw it too. Exactly. Okay, so it's I'm not, not crazy. Chris's imagination. No, you're crazy, but not um, because of this. Okay, so if hair can be colored using a magic wand, I yeah. want one of those. Why would you even go to the barber to have that done? I feel like you just do it in your bedroom. Post scarcity, you're not paying them. And I think ha- that that hair dyeing wand is proof that Riker's future thing that we saw last week, I think, where everyone had maybe. fucking gray streaks, is yeah. bullshit. Well, maybe people are just less vain in the future and people, they don't mind getting people gray. are super vain in the future. I mean, Picard yeah, has gray they're hair. So, they're so not vain that they still have salons on spaceships. Well, you see, you get a haircut. I'm just saying. 
Picard's got gray hair, so and, and he doesn't. He yeah, but get he's just dyed. grateful to have hair. But at the very least, I think with that. Who are you with, fooling if you're 30, 75% bald? Mm-hmm. The way you could justify with that woman why she had to go to a salon for it is because her hair was so fucking tall. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee she could have reached over it herself. No, just let it down. Very. But we don't. We don't know I what look, the shape of her head is. Maybe you can only go down so far. I look forward to our future hair dyeing with a magic wand capabilities. Reminds me of the um, the finger uh, the fingernails from Fifth Element. No, was it, I think it was Arnold on Mars. Oh, um, Total Recall. Total Recall. Yeah, the secretary had like a little magic wand. And she just like touched all of her fingernails oh, and they would change color. Ooh. It's really cool. I like that. Yeah, as in Fifth Element, she the secretary has like she just sticks her finger in and it comes out completely different. Yeah, I remember that. That's too, what I was thinking of. That's neat. Future's uh, gonna be great for beauty. Yeah, but yeah. So like you were saying, uh, Jake or Ames, what he said is they they do unfortunately let Keiko give a really bad first impression. And maybe had they known she was going to wind up a semi regular character, they would have had her lead off on a better foot. That was one slight problem with this one. Definitely, though, was like, you know, ah, yes, my friend Miles. It's like, have you two ever interacted in the show? Keiko, you are my friend. It's like, we have literally never seen but, her But, like, before. also, why, if they're friends, does Miles keep calling him sir? He's coming to him on a personal matter. That was very <laughs> yeah, odd. Yeah, that was weird. Hmm. Well, because he was, he was awkward because he was apologetic he felt bad for losing his temper at him, even though it didn't matter because Data was like, it's fine. You lost your temper? I didn't notice. <laughs> Would you like a pillow? It was also a pretty small losing of temper, considering the news that he was Mm. delivered, in my opinion. Considering how Troy was acting to everybody last episode. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, really, really, Keiko should be the one apologizing for putting him in this really, really awkward situation. Mm. Well, but then, but then O'Brien is like, can you go fix this? And it's like, guys, you know he can't fix this. He has no emotions. He has no tact. Look at how he just told you that your fucking fiancé was breaking it off the day of the wedding. You think he's going to go fix this? What do you want? Fucking drugs? Maybe he was drunk. Maybe that is why he was so blushed up. Maybe he had just been fucking <coughs> drinking all day since, and he's just rip shit now. Yeah, no, they, they overdid his blush. They overdid Beverly's lipstick at one point. Mostly Beverly's whole scene. look was a lot different this this episode. I felt She's, mm-hmm. she was doing some dancing. She was birthing a child. Well, yeah, I, I know. Like I said, when we first saw <laughs> Not her herself personally. When we first saw uh, her, she was in the midst of crowning. Like, she'd probably been, because Data mentions that woman going into labor at, like, four in the morning. They probably called Bev at four in the morning, so she's been up for, like, 12 hours. No, that's the thing. She didn't look tired. She just looked different. She looked like she didn't do her hair. That's right. They were trying to make her look a little little disheveled. disheveled. Mm. And yet... If you think that was intentional, I feel like the the hair people just fucked up. Maybe. I could see. No, I could see. Chris's explanation makes sense. It makes sense. I just don't... Yeah. It may have not been on purpose, though. Because right. I just feel like otherwise her makeup was impeccable and possibly better than usual, so I don't know... Well, she was also going to a wedding that day. Yeah. Oh, that could be it. But then so why she, did her so hair well, look did her, so she, bad? Maybe she did her makeup knowing that she wouldn't have time to do it later, but she knew she could get it, put her hair up. Because she could get it wanded. Yeah. yeah. The dance scene, that was the fun. Dan- yeah, the dance scene was fun. I read that Gates and, and Brent came up with most of the lines themselves. Oh, wow. And that Gates did the choreography. Mm. Because, of course, she did. Because she's great at that kind of stuff. But was she Cheryl? Did she make everyone start calling her Cheryl when she was doing the choreography? <laughs> oh, we should have checked if she was credited as such in the in the, in the the credits or something. That would have been funny. That would have been funny. I wonder what they called it. Because that's, I mean, obviously her first name is Cheryl. I wonder what they call her. Oh, like on set? On like set. they actually call her Carol. Gates? <laughs> it's Crystal. They call her Dr. 
character. Lady Bones. Crumpets. Aww. No, that's Pulaski. That's Pulaski. I know. I miss her. No, and I also read that Spiner did all of the dancing himself except for the overhead shot scene when he was feeling nervous about getting the footwork right. <laughs> so multi-talented. And McFadden just did all of the dancing herself. Yeah, of course. Which yeah. makes sense. Given which her makes background. sense. But I did. I did like. I thought there was. I liked the. Um, you wouldn't tap at a wedding. No, you. Yeah, that that whole how that joke kind of played <laughs> well, out. Why? Well, I, I don't know, Dana. Because tap dancing is horrible, and nobody it's should loud. do it. It's loud. It's really loud. Granted, if you want to drown out your annoying family, that's one way to do it. Oh so what you're God, saying is we should tap dance at Thanksgiving too. more often. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Next year, I'm gonna do a fucking routine on the table on everyone's fucking turkey. And then do a chorus line, kicking every fucking condiment and shit off the table as I go. If you're blue and you don't know what to do, why don't you go down where fashion sits? Putting on the Ritz. I only know that song because of Young Frankenstein. That's why I think most people know it in this day and age. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch the, uh, the cover of that song from the 80s by Taco. Oh no. It's like, it's almost like a Halloween version. Oh, you know, I haven't actually seen that. It's like, it's just such a weird song. I'll play it for you later if you want, but it's like, yeah. What else do we have? We, got, we got Romulan, Deep Cover Spy, we got Dancing, we've got The Wedding, we've got Worf Secretly Like Swans. <laughs> Kitty Cat. We got Depod. This is just a cute episode. It is. Yeah, and it's it really nice, is. too, because like you said, it was totally different from like really anything else they had done. Yeah. Very interesting, like, perspective and narration thing, and... Again, like, I actually liked the, like, the Federation got owned by this Romulan story. But I also feel like, and this might just be because I'm biased as fuck, I just feel like it kind of falls to the background because you're just watching Data Data around and it's like, who cares about those Romulan fucks? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought it was interesting, though, how you get both the, how, you get the sense of how a lot of shitload of stuff goes on on the ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the oh, birthday, a shipload, couple births. Yeah, and you have this, like, you know, at the same time, Data can be preoccupied with this, dealing with this wedding and dealing with Keiko's bullshit, while also Figuring solving out the, the crime. transporter mystery. Yeah. 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 Pulling, pulling a Sherlock Holmes, as he is wont to do. Yep. Yeah, they actually, like, I think they, they had someone on the writing staff come up with the Romulan subplot as a way to, okay, we, you can do a Data store, a day, a day in the life of Data story, but please insert some sci-fi. <laughs> You can do a data story, but really we can't have more than five minutes devoted to tap, so we're going to need a B-plot. That's the original script. Fifteen minutes of tap. No, after that they actually moved on to, uh, they actually did like a remake of a really famous like Shirley Temple routine. Oh, sure. sure. And Data has to, or Brent Spiner has to continue like not looking winded when he's dancing for 20 minutes straight. Yeah. Mm. Nice. I'm trying to picture what else they could have done. Maybe they like did some like lumbata. Mm. Some well, like you said, limbo that happens at parties. No, sometimes. I did not. I think you did. No, I you. Did. One of you said limbo. Oh, stick. I okay. Yeah. Uh, they should have done the macarena. Yeah. yeah. They should have done the electric slide. The chicken dance. Chicken dance. That is at all weddings. Uh, they should have done the. Uh, they gotta do. What's that song they always play? It's not really a dance to go with it, though. We Are Family. I feel like We Are Family always plays that. Just, yeah, that's just kind of going left and right and clapping. Yeah, that's in the playlist. Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, fuck Cotton Eye Joe. But he... God, he, he, he horrible. Something... Long time ago. Cotton Eye Joe. Stick it up your butt and stick it in your hole. You got another Cotton Eye Joe. So, 
Who wants Brown to bet? Who wants to bet that Worf lied, and that in fact he was involved in a human wedding once? When he's a wee little baby Klingon, being raised by two Ruskies, he was the ring bearer at somebody's wedding. And ate the he ring. Hated it. Just a little. No, he was not bip bip bip. He was very stoic. He was a very small wharf. Was the speech that Picard gave the same as the, oh, the same as the curse? Okay, speech? yes, I meant to ask that. I'm glad you remember. Balance of terror. Cool. Yeah, okay. It was. Um, I think there was like a couple word differences, but it was my. It was the same. Basic. No yeah. oh, shit. I meant to well, ask that, but it's like And it was mind. another, like, all weddings are disrupted by Romulan bullshit. Super well, this one wasn't disrupted, though. They got through it. It was after they, they actually <laughs> went all the way through. You know, this one was disrupted by, by Keiko, Keiko bullshit. Yeah. Is Keiko secretly a Romulan? Obviously. No, I think she might be Asian. She had the, the head buffed down and... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <sighs> All right, so all we get to say about Data's Data today? Uh, it was good. It was good. It was fun. Good little character piece. I like it. Yeah, no, it's a good episode. All right, well, great. Well, so that means that it's time to talk about next week's episodes. Is it? Obviously, after this great week of episodes, we're going to do another great week of episodes. Is that your not so subtle way of saying that one of the episodes is actually good and the other is kind of meh? That is exactly... I, I would even go beyond meh with this one. Really you have a master of recognizing irony. But we will, let, uh, we will let ourselves and our audience be the judge. So we'll start strong next week with The Wounded. The Wounded. A good uh, O'Brien episode. What? Yeah, a good O'Brien. I yeah, they, they really are bringing O'Brien up. Don't you bad uh, He's rising up in the world. Now he's a married man. He gets to gets to wear his big boy pants. Now he gets he's to get some history. He gets to avoid his wife <laughs> yeah. by leaving the house a lot. He's uh, out kayaking again. So the wounded that's got some good O'Brien. We we're introduced to a, a new alien uh, a new alien species, the Kardashians. Oh, they're my favorites. Um, Tim, Chloe. God fucking I don't know way to make the most original joke in history, Jake. Yep. <laughs> I know. Here's yeah, your award. Wait, there are more of them, though, aren't there? There are more Kardashians than just two. Who are the other ones? There's Galdicott. Kim, Chloe, Kooky, Snooky. Snooky. I don't know. There's a bunch of Jenners, too, though. Oh, yeah. There's like a Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And a Caitlyn Jenner. Well, Caitlyn Jenner is the parent. Not one of the kids. What's the other episode? Oh, right. Star Trek. <laughs> that was a great look. <laughs> From which one of us, Jake? Me, I yeah, assume. Yeah, probably. Anyway, yes. The Wounded. You said that one. And, oh boy. Stop ruining it. I don't. I haven't seen this one. Devils Do. Devils Do. What yeah. is the devil do? What do devils do? Devil is this about do. the devil's hairpiece or what? It's sort of. I was going to make a joke. Remember about that episode of the of the animated movie. series where they make a where they encounter the devil? No, because I slept through it. Oh, it's like that. Oh, oh you're good. so, so lucky you slept it? through that. Yeah. Kinda. I was awake for about half of it, I think. It's actually, it's not as bad as all that. I, I shit on this the episode a lot. The of Magos 2. Magos 2, that's I it. I shit on this episode. A lot of people think shit on this episode. It's not all that bad. Let's be real. Uh, I, I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I know the gist of it. I will have to decide when I see it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, actually, it it's right actually away. kind of an interesting premise 
undone by a stupid, stupid thing. So those, Space Jesus. So that's coming up next week. So that'll be great and not as great, but it'll be fine. And we'll have a good time. We'll talk about stuff. And that's all we have for today. So in the meantime, find us online on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr as SSHB Podcast. And find us on iTunes and Google and Apple Tunes too. And on SoundCloud and on anything that has music. Uh, oh, podcasts. Well, we're a star to steer her by on Facebook, not SSHB podcast. We're a star to steer her by on Facebook. Jake still doesn't know any of this. We're us. only in season four. Jake still doesn't even know that we're we have a podcast. Visit us on the internet today. <laughs> Visit our tube uh, in the series of tubes. It is the uh, also to take this opportunity to promote. Uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh. And the letter A. Oh, you know what we didn't even really discuss at all? Uh, obviously this won't air for several weeks, but our audience... This is very old news. <laughs> it's very old news by now, but uh, it was just recently announced from uh, for us in our time frame back in the past that, um, yeah, that Picard, uh, Jean-Luc Picard is going to return in a Star Trek series. Okay, okay, okay. Quick poll. What, what do you guys think the show's going to be about? Because I, I think it's just going to be nothing but dicks in hell. That would be fun. <laughs> well, at first I thought you were saying dicks in something else. Dicks in Crusher. Dicks in Bash. I, I, please refer. I was actually going to say that I hope it's just him banging his way through the galaxy. So I thought Ames and I were agreeing. But actually what I would almost like even more would be if it was like Patrick Stewart playing Jean-Luc Picard the way he played Patrick Stewart in... Uh, extras oh god i've seen it all it's too late i've seen it all (laughs) i I sort of good episode i was talking with this about about this with a friend on facebook i think it was on my personal facebook yeah i was i was actually reading it today okay yeah so it wasn't the group one so you wouldn't have seen this listeners uh where I, i i wonder if they're gonna go full topical and a retired picard is sort of called back into ambassadorial service if not full fleet service because a someone new... who's in charge has a really obnoxious twitter feed well yeah, there's a new uh federation president with some impulse control issues and he's causing all kinds of diplomatic shenanigans and... he's a romulan puppet maybe no no I figured it out. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Jake's usually right. I was going to say, you know what That's sucks about this? Whatever right, bullshit right, he says is going to totally Maul be right. Darth Maul is no. going to show up and no. Darth Maul is way in. You're close. So here's what it's going to be. Picard will have retired. Yeah, I think Starfleet. everyone pretty much agrees yeah. that it's right, going to yeah, be yeah. Well, because Patrick Stewart's actually in it. Yeah. Yeah. it? yeah. 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 Uh, so Picard has retired and he's kind of gone off into the universe and nobody really knows where he went. He went off ostensibly to do some archaeological shit because we know that's an interest of his and 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 he's just and he's just sort of presumed missing sure um and And they need to use a little robot to find the last piece of the star my motherfucking joke you ruined the (laughs) she said it too i know you fucking jerk well you 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 led up to it way too early actually though i you know but Building off that, the idea that like he's kind of gone missing to do some weird archaeology, and then he comes back and it's like, so I found a thing. Um, shit, I just found the a slave weapon. Slaver weapon. That's again. actually what, what I was. Maybe the Iconians. They finally well, do more with the them. Iconians, or I would say a whole. I think it would be interesting if it was a whole new threat. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't say a threat. Maybe he's found something that 
could be a threat if it fell into the wrong hands. Maybe more Borg. But I also kind of that think that old. even though it's going to have Picard, I think it's going to be a little bit of a red herring where I don't think he will be the main character. Oh, interesting. I kind of expect... And again, this is so speculative. Yeah, I mean, we literally... This is a few days after the announcement. But I, I think it will be almost a... You know, it'll introduce... If it's... Assuming it's another, you know, a Star Trek-style show yeah. about the adventures of a spaceship crew, which it might not be. Yeah. I might be totally wrong. I would maybe think that Picard kind of introduces it as in, uh, you know, he kind of either is something like that where he comes back from a long absence with some crazy shit. And then Starfleet's like, well, we have to deal with this. So let's get, you know, this new crew on the case. And, you know, oh, it's the crew of the USS Enterprise. F. Yeah. Well, Go F I, yourself. As <laughs> I also said on Facebook, I hope they design a new one. Mm. We right, see an F? There's a pseudo-canonical Enterprise F in Star Trek Online, which takes place in the early 25th century. Hmm. It is fugly. It's like they took the Sovereign class and the Intrepid class, and they had a baby, None but it only... Yeah, I was gonna say, sorry. Can you explain it's like they took terms? the Enterprise E. Layer. Round. Round. Flat. I, it's a saucer. Okay, for the listeners who know what I'm saying, it's like they took the Enterprise wow, did you E. Just brushed you off. Well, because no, I don't know how you, else to explain fucking it. Fucking sexist. The, I don't know how else to explain it. But so the Enterprise E and the Voyager. Oh, I like the Voyager. And they mashed them together, but it only got the worst design aspects of the both I mean, of the them. Enterprise E is already kind of a Voyager. Kind though. of, but it's 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 look it up. It's the Odyssey class. It is hideous, and I hate it. See, I sort of assumed that. It was going to be like old Picard as a framework for like the old adventures of old Picard, young Picard. I hope it's just like The Office, but with Picard playing the Michael Scott role. Oh, like you know the, it, is, um, it, it is like The Office. It's fucking awesome. You know what it is? It but is on, like the and on a spaceship. No, not a spaceship. Yeah. After he retires, he does go back to Earth to help Louis or Lewis with the Atlantis project. I like that idea. And that's how it's like an and office then, and comedy. Then the and we'll call goes... it Star Trek Atlantis. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that is, you know, who knows? Maybe there will be more information by now. We'll all have been proven completely wrong. Dixon Hill is the answer. Chan- you chances, listen. chances are, nothing will be announced in addition for quite some time. But who knows? It would be funny if, though, it was announced between now and when this thing goes live, and we literally nailed all of it, and people were like, "Dude, we didn't record that before." <laughs> I'll show you a newspaper. Oh wait. All right. Yeah. So yeah. We, yes. We, Jake we, us out. We are actually recording this. In early August. We already said earlier it was International Cat Day, so people yeah. can figure it out. Yeah, but what if that was a red herring? Just a like communism. Cat. A yeah. red cat herring, like Spot. Yeah, and like when we recorded those fan fictions last week, that was a real lot of fun. Those are some great stories you guys <laughs> those told were, last week. Those were, you guys did a really good you job. You were really talented. I liked mine. I'm not going to lie, Ames, I was expecting way less homoeroticism. Oh, you I, were? I'll, have to, I'll have to actually fix it then. Anyway... Uh, my name has been Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. And this is always Caitlin. So long, Data. Have a nice day. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>